That's classified. It's what? It's classified. It had been deemed classified. And B, that footage is highly classified. Classified. It's classified. You can't tell anybody, but... People need to know. Welcome to CIO Classified, where you'll find candid conversations with the world's leading CIOs. In each episode, we have two different CIOs discuss a single topic. This week, we were joined by Jason Conyard and Gina Rehe. Jason is the CIO at VMware and is an industry veteran with 25 years of experience driving large-scale transformations in global tech companies. He has also held leadership roles at Juniper Networks, BlackRock, and Global Communication Partners. Gina is the EVP and CIO of Digital Transformation at Zayo Group. She's a seasoned leader with 28 years of experience as a CIO and CTO, and has held senior executive roles at worldwide companies, ranging from pre-IPO to Fortune 100. In this episode, Jason and Gina discuss how CIOs are overcoming the latest economic challenges, including talent retention. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from today's sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Asana. Asana is a leading work management platform that empowers teams to orchestrate their work, from daily tasks to big strategic initiatives, all in one place. By enabling the world's teams to work together effortlessly, Asana helps organizations of all sizes and industries achieve their goals faster. Learn more at asana.com. That's A-S-A-N-A.com. And now here's your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to CIO Classified. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today I'm joined by two special guests. First, Gina, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining the show. And Jason, how are you? Great. It's wonderful to be here. Excited to chat today. We're going to be talking about overcoming new economic challenges. We're going to talk about everything CIO Classified, secrets and whatnot and what's facing CIOs in 2022 and beyond. A little bit of war on talent. So before we get into all that, first, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about the scope of your role? Yeah, happy to. So uh, it it includes all of the things that most CIOs do in terms of being responsible for the technology in an organization and helping guide the business and meet business needs, leveraging technology where it's appropriate. One of the wonderful things and one of the things that attracted me to the role at VMware was the opportunity to also influence and help enhance the products we deliver. Because in most cases, my role in any other company would be the target audience for the amazing solutions we create at VMware. I love it. We talk about this every show, how the role of the CIO being sitting at that intersection of customer experience and employee experience and technology. It's just such an exciting time and you're, you're living that every day. And Gina, can you tell us a little bit about your role at Zeo Group? Yeah, I, it's very similar to Jason's and all the traditional CIO responsibilities as well and similar attraction. I just actually recently joined about eight months ago and really wanted to play a stronger role in helping define we do a lot of Zayo on Zayo, so we are using a lot of our own products. Most technology CIOs are have those programs in there. But I also like the fact that we have a lot of the security, not just cybersecurity, but we also are doing and covering the physical security since we are an ISP provider, as well as doing all the product security, which brings 
a slightly different twist to security for IT and the expansion of that scope in that area. All right, so let's talk economic challenges. What's what's facing CIOs in 2022? Jason, let's start with you. So as, as companies transition out of the pandemic and they've seen the opportunities that it have existed or been created and the speed that they've been able to deliver from a distributed workforce and how they're now accelerating their businesses through digital transformation, I think we're also now seeing some new things emerge. We're seeing interest rate changes. Obviously, there's concerns about the availability of fuel and the impact of the cost of power around the world. I think that's going to probably color the second half of the year and almost certainly into next year as well. Now, some people, of course, will look at that and they'll be concerned and and quite rightly so and say, you know, this impacts individuals, this impacts people and also impacts countries. But I also, and, I, and I'm sure Gina would join me in this, also recognize this presents an opportunity as well, an opportunity for companies to you know, cut some of the sandbags that have been weighing down the balloon. As organizations have grown, they've probably focused on transforming and not necessarily turning things off or optimizing business processes and things. And I think you know, as we see that challenge ahead, it also creates that opportunity for us to streamline and optimize. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of what you said, Jason. I do think the other economic pressure we're facing is really around that labor inflation as well. There's a lot of debates around with the CFOs and and our CEOs and even our board. Is this a bubble of labor inflation? Is this great resignation really slowing down or going away? Are the interest rate hikes, which is going to slow the the economy and the inflation around us down going to have an impact. And I think it's very early to tell and try and predict. We're still seeing quite a bit of movement and attrition. And I would say I'm still seeing even this year attrition where people are just, they're retiring earlier. Now, I think you will see how the rest of the economics and the economic situation for them personally goes if that puts another pressure point where they actually have to go back to work. And I think it's still very early, but there are a couple of things that we still don't have good forecasting or line of sight to. And I think we're trying to figure that out. And it's really around that labor inflation aspect of things, as well as what we're seeing in the supply chain and and the other economic pressures. Seems like a lot for CIOs to deal with. Is this stuff that you're going to be dealing with, Gina, like Personally, is it stuff that you feel pressures from the board and from leadership? Is it is it you know worried about you know your customers? I'm curious, like how, what's your approach? So there is a lot of pressure on hey the churn of the of the organization. Can we hire fast enough? And what kind of productivity loss are we seeing across the board? Because there's always ramp up time. So I think it's reemerging some new conversations around outsourcing. But then when you talk to the outsourcing or offshoring, nearshoring, any of those other levers we would normally pull for maybe some labor arbitrage or scale, they're also seeing the same things. They're seeing inflation in their labor and they're also having a hard time staffing. It's a new phenomenon that I don't think anybody's ever really solved. And it is a risk to the business and it's a risk to capacity as well. I think if I, if I can add, I think that it, yeah. it's, it is a challenge clearly across industries and geographies. It's also just such a, an amazing opportunity as well. And that's not just me trying to look for the positive. I, 
we have hired twice twice as many people, you know, in the last uh, I think eighteen months than we had probably in the, the the three or four years before that. So yes, we've seen attrition, but we've also seen an acceleration on the number of people we've been hiring. The other thing that we've which has been a wonderful, one of the silver linings from the pandemic has been the opportunity to hire people in places that we'd not considered before because we had to shift our thinking about where great work can happen, which has improved our ability to hire more diverse talent, hire more veterans, hire more women, hire other underrepresented communities, which is which is wonderful. And then I think the other the other thing I would add is that as we think about digital transformation, we're also seeing a change in the type of skills that we need and the type of talent we need. So, yes, we're losing some institutional knowledge. Absolutely. It's absolutely true. And there's momentum that we have to consider in that. But also we're adding and gaining skills that are going to help us do what we're going to do in the future. So it is a huge, it's absolutely a huge change. And as Gina said, absolutely a board level conversation. But also, I think as we navigate it, it also presents a huge opportunity for companies to to ready themselves for for the future. I think that diversity, the the diversity of thought is really refreshing. And I love what you called out, Jason, around diversity of location, because you do. and, And those are global locations. Like we're globally looking at different types of non-traditional hiring pools or or locations but I do think you get a lot of diversity of thought infused which is helpful on challenging the norm right yeah I think uh, there's a there's an extra dimension here as well which is we often talk about you know turnover of talent and and hiring people but there's the, the other the other thing that's important in this mix is the cultures that companies create not just the values we put on a poster in the in the cafeteria or on our employee badge, but the cultures we create and we cultivate so that we retain our very best talent. Because we all know, we talk about the loss of momentum when people leave and the knowledge that they take with them and other things. But if you can create a culture which values continuous learning and improvement, that values the difference of opinion and ideas and, and that promotes that, then organizations can retain the very, very best talent. You invest so much money to get that talent, you want to you sustain and maintain that the best you can. And I think that's going to present an interesting challenge to companies in the future. You can't just throw equity and, and cash at people. You also People want to do their best work in a place where they feel they belong. And I think that's one of the things, certainly at VMware and as a CIO, that I try and cultivate, which is a place people want to be, either that's physically or virtually, And I think that's one of the opportunities we have ahead of us. Jason, I'm curious, what are some of the things that you try to do tactically to improve that employee experience? Because like, again, this this didn't used to be a CIO remit, right? How how happy the employees were was not the CIO's job. Well, you know, you can think about it in terms of whether it's an altruistic action or not. But I think... I think most CIOs could recognize that if your employees are not happy and productive, you're probably spending an awful lot of your time dealing with complaints and escalations and workarounds and all of those other things. So is it is it is it a desire for people to be happy with their technology or is it just an act of self-preservation? Well, for, for me personally, uh, it's a true desire to create an environment where people can do their best work. 
And in fact, my team, I can remember when I joined VMware six and a half, going on seven years ago, I, I met with the team and I was talking about the experience I wanted our colleagues to feel at VMware. And I talked about people wanting to be delighted. And, and I can remember the look on a lot of people's faces and probably a few words under people's breath in terms of me being very Mary Poppins about what I was saying, you know, you know, being delightful and, and people feeling good and, and those things. And, and what I said to the team was, is that if you think about the experience people often associate with technology or their emotion, it's frustration. And if we can fundamentally change that and get it to a place where people feel genuinely and sincerely delighted surprised by, amazed by the experience of using technology, the experience of working with technology professionals, they will be more productive and they will feel good about who they work with and what they're doing. And and I and I will honestly say we don't get it right every day. We might not get it right every week, but that is what we're striving for. And and while I while I don't rely completely on employee surveys and and, and information in that regard, I will tell you that our employee satisfaction rates around the technology-enabled solutions we deliver are in the high 80s to early 90s. And, and our operating costs around our employee-enabling technology are enviable by any standard. So it's something we've really internalized. It's something we've really embraced. And, and I can give you 100 examples, but just give you some quick examples. We have, we have really optimized our processes for people that are both working in our offices and campuses, as well as working from home. We've, we've focused on how do we create a rich and level playing field around our conferencing experiences whether that's like like a conversation, you know, video conversation on WebEx or Zoom or, or another technology, or, or sharing documents or co-creating information. I think we really wanted to make sure that people don't feel disadvantaged when we do that. So it's not just lip service at VMware. It's something we take very passionately, enabling our 40 plus thousand employees to do their best work. Gina, tough on that. But uh, I'm curious, like, yeah, how, what are some of the things that, that you're doing to to try to look at how to get that employee experience honed in. Yeah, I think we've been really focused on onboarding experience because mm. so many people onboarded during pandemic, including myself coming on board. So we we look at that. We've been trying to really just keep our game up on making it very simple and seamless, especially when you're doing it from a remote perspective. Now, we just did go back to the office and opened our offices a couple weeks ago. So we're now transitioning into that hybrid onboarding where some people are on their first day are not going to come in, but they might be there for day two and three and four. And I think uh, we've got a couple little bumps in just getting the logistics down and making sure because before we could point and say, oh, it's shipping everything out all the time was just our standard. So we didn't really have to ask, oh, are you going to be here or are you not going to be here? And then planning some of that around there. But we've been focused on on onboarding to make sure that people can integrate quickly. Our culture, we're in a slightly different phase of our company uh, evolution right now. We've we've gone from being a startup and a collection of 49 acquisitions regionally run to last year, they made a huge shift 
to actually organizing as an enterprise, a $2.5 billion enterprise, really trying to grow and scale. And we have some big audacious company goals around that as well. And we need a very in-tune, collaborating community of, of team members to really continue to get to that growth perspective and keep the pace and the trajectory moving and the innovations moving. So doing that, our culture is also shifting slightly because we're moving more from regionally run to enterprise and we're having to do some change management around that. Deploying, I mean, I think Jason covered a lot of the tool sets, the employee experience. You know, it's it's great to be able to invest in some of those, but we're also having to be very, very smart. So in what we invest in, we're in a, a slightly different cost model. So I want to talk to Jason about his enviable costs, operating costs, because <laughs> there's some secrets there. I definitely could probably take and apply and I would I would welcome learning more about that journey Jason because it is a journey for sure gladly gladly discuss that with you and share some of the things we've yeah. done and learn learn more about what you were doing too I'm curious one of the things we we didn't necessarily touch on is productivity uh Jason you you posted about this the other day on on LinkedIn about kind of like interoperability and some of that stuff which is pretty fascinating in and of itself. But one of the things from a productivity standpoint, I think that's been really nice, like for Caspian, you know, we working on 40 different podcast series at any given time for, for a little tiny company. Just the idea that now somebody can go leave for a week and go on vacation and all of their work is sitting there and can be accessed by someone else. It's in a, it's in a channel. It's, you know, their tasks are, are there, you know, Asana is our sponsor and we love them. But, you know, like we use Asana to build the show. So it's like that sort of stuff is there that people can come in on. The amount of like the way that work is done is, is different. The way that communication is done is different. There's a little bit more transparency, obviously a lot more noise. But how people can now both interrupt, uh, like, you know, leave a company and come in and perhaps be onboarded quicker is also exciting, but also a lot scarier because, you know, there's not someone to just lean over their left shoulder and say, hey, how do we do this at this company? Yeah, it, it is it, it's, it, it is interesting. I think one of the things that I have to remind our team frequently about is that, and, and bearing in mind, you know, VMware, technology company, right? We, we've got some really strong technology chops, some incredibly smart people. But one of the things I have to watch out for and remind the team is that not every problem needs a technology solution. And in fact, often, if we're not careful, the technology will amplify either for better or ill. And what, what's important for us to do is really when we think about the experience we want to deliver, when we think about the capability we want to enable, that we really get back to brass tacks because just because we could get a new tool, just because we could turn on a new SaaS service doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to give us the outcome that we're after. So we really try and strive back to basics. And Gina talked about onboarding, and I'm totally there with you. I mean, my goodness, you know, we onboarded, I think, in the last 12 months, 8,000 people. And the vast majority of those people have never been to a VMware office or only done that maybe in the last month, right? So really thinking through what do we want that experience to be like? What do we want people to feel about the culture at VMware? How do we want people to become productive? How do we get them through? And really thinking that through is, is, is really important. But one of the things, that, as, I, as I just said, that's really important to me is just not starting with technology. Start with the experience. Start with the capability that you need. 
and then work towards it because otherwise you're just adding another tool to the, the mix of tools you already have. And I think that a lot of companies would actually find they accelerate if they simplify and consolidate their tool landscape rather than continuing to only expand it. Yeah, I mean, you're singing my song, Jason, because it's funny, I have this thing that I learned earlier in my career around managing the business stakeholder expectations. So just because I can technically solve your problem doesn't mean mean I should solve it with technology. And I think this does go back to the old adage of systems, process, and data. And for me, the one thing I might add a little bit to that is I think if we give more of our users and our customers and partners as well, access to the data insights and better data consumption or visualization ways that they can make different decisions around things, then sometimes you can even avoid some of the process re-engineering that takes a long time and a lot of energy. And it isn't even a system that you need or a process. It's just you need the actual insights to make a different decision or go in a different prioritization or direction. So there's there's a lot changing around us, but I agree. I agree with the. It's not always a techno technology that you need to solve that. On the on the collaboration and the virtualization in this hybrid hybrid world that is you know is what it is and it is our our new normal and and even the new normal right. It's it's continually to evolve around us. So all of those systems and technology opportunities are just going to keep pushing us more and more into what an evolving what an evolving landscape looks like or architecture or set of things looks like, right? Whether you're in a physical world or not. Switching gears here, what is a big project or something that you're really excited about that's coming down the pipe that you've been working on recently? Gina, we can start with you. Sure. For us, because we are coming together and we're doing a lot of consolidation, we're also a very acquisitive company. So we do a lot of acquisitions. I think it is really just getting back to basics and building some foundational things. So things that might be in place for more established companies, not necessarily invested for a company of our age, 13 years old, and going out. And I have some some really nice clean sheets of paper. So our data foundation doesn't really exist. So we're going all in, fully cloud, building it from the ground up. And we have we are having a lot of fun. Just what is all of the new architectural elements? What are the lessons learned? How would you put that architecture together? Can we actually even run a data foundation in a multi-cloud environment so that we can maximize not only some of our costs, but we can also test some of our own products around how we're connecting hyperscalers and what that looks like in our own architecture and and pushing some of the limits there. So that that's one that's really exciting. And that's that unlocks a lot of potential for the company to really understand what they what assets they have and what insights they do have that they probably never really had as they were building the company over the last 13 years through all those acquisitions. So that's one. We're doing a couple of other foundational, putting some just solid foundations for scale in. And I think that's the thematic, you know, progress for us. 
that too. I think acquisitive might be the might be the word of the day. That was pretty good. I love that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Jason, what um, about you? It's hard for me to give you one, so I'm not gonna I'm gonna give you several, but I'll do it quickly. I think that VMware's transformation to being a subscription and SaaS company is is right up there. It it touches everything we do. It it is how we create and deliver our products. It's how we enable, as Gina said, how we enable the data for our customers and our partners and our employees to to manage and get value from those solutions. It's how we operate all of our business systems in the company. So you can imagine much of my time is spent on some piece of that challenge and that opportunity for us as a company. Super excited around our ESG efforts. A lot of the work we've been doing around sustainability uh, is really coming to the fore as a company. So we're very, very proud of both in terms of what we're doing as a company, but also how we're enabling our customers to use our technology to improve sustainability around the planet. So that's that's definitely on our list. And I think a personal favorite of mine is how we how we move from hybrid surviving to thriving, how we move from you know people having to work from home because because of you know concerns for their well-being to how we create and expand that choice so people can either work from home and do the work when it's appropriate or come together and collaborate in our offices and ensuring that the technology enables that it doesn't become a barrier. So they're, they're just a couple of things I'm excited about. I could talk forever about what we're doing with AR and VR and, and how we're improving our conference room experience and a whole bunch of stuff, but for another time. Yeah, we'll have to bring you both back for for round two of, of fun stuff. Both of you have, talk about huge projects, my goodness. Yeah, I think there's also, I mean, Jason, it sounds like you're also influencing some of those product roadmaps and those are some interesting stories. There's a lot more going to the edge. And when we think and look at what we're trying to push, so some of the cool things that Zayo is delivering for their customers, like we're really pushing the limits on 5G and doing 5G Wi-Fi offload for the building to re- just improve the performance of that experience because the the users coming in from home into an office. I I would say some of our buildings and we've been exercising our conference rooms, getting ready for coming back. It's really the buildings have atrophied and people have a better experience at their home and and it's totally flipped it, but we're doing some pretty cool stuff and trying to think about those experiences and the, the technology advancements we need at the edge and how uh, reliability and consistency is just table stakes in a much different way that it, it does have to be a consumer experience, even in an enterprise. And it's funny seeing how the tables have turned and what we're having to do, but we're doing a lot of 5G Wi-Fi offload in our buildings and it's working and it's great and it's really good performance we're really pushing the limits on some of our network performance as well. I love coming back. I love I love what you're saying there and, it, it, you, I, and how you talked about consumer influence. Remember, if you go back maybe 10 years ago, as home computing, uh, home computers overtook corporate provided devices. And remember, there was the whole BYO and a lot of conversations around, you know, BYO and the, the, from a compute perspective. Yeah. And here we are talking about people having a better connect, not everybody, obviously, but many people having a better connectivity experience at home. 
and and absolutely what 5G can do there. I think that that presents some interesting challenges to us and, and I think our peers as well as it comes to, you know, thinking about edge level security and and thinking about resilience uh, and, and service quality as well. So, yeah, it, it definitely is an exciting time. I, I Definitely on my list to talk to you more about. Well, this is CIO classified after all, so we got to get into some secrets here. What is one secret uh, that you know as a CIO or you've been thinking about that not enough CIOs know? Oh, that's a good question. That's a tough one. I mean, I was going to talk a little bit about, you know, some of this new normal, but it's not it's not necessarily a secret. I I actually really like the the way that you characterized it, Jason, moving from surviving to thriving, right? And there's some element of thinking about things. I mean, we all talk about new normal, and I think we have to just have a mindset shift of it's not new, it's just is, and it's always going to be different. And we're really, as technologists, we're used to hyper, you know, technical turns and the technology is changing on us so, so fast. But how we apply that into our environment and experiences is, is going to be the differentiator, I think, for retention, employment, attraction, branding, products. I mean, the list goes on. I don't know that that's really a secret, but it's something I've been thinking about for a while. And and just trying to like, we got to stop saying new normal because it just is. This is what it is. For me, it's something I talk about a lot, but I, I don't know if I'm in the minority or, or, or in the majority. I believe strongly and passionately that enabling your workforce does not have to be expensive and it certainly doesn't have to be third rate. I believe you can enable your workforce, give them a truly delightful, empowering, enriched experience that allows them to do their best work, and it doesn't have to break the bank. And I think that far too often companies look at it as, a, as an easy place to go save money, and I would argue that it ends up costing you way more from a productivity perspective. And I think if you want to save money, there are bigger fish to go fry. So I'll, I'll tell you one secret that's, that we communicated recently internally that's directly connected to this is a lot of people really loved our walk-up tech bars. We call them Oasis bars at VMware. And we have Oasis Online, which, no surprise, is, is chat and talk and video and, frankly, has sustained us for these last two years. But we also have these tech bars. And, of course, they were mothballed two years ago. And yeah. a lot of folks have been getting very excited and saying, hey, I'm going to be coming back to campus. I'm going to come back to our office. I'm looking forward to popping in at the Oasis bar. And one of the decisions we had to make, or one of the decisions not we had to make, one of the decisions we consciously made was to say that when our colleagues come back, those Oasis tech bars are no longer going to be reactive support. They're going to be proactive enablement. We're going to be focused on helping our colleagues get more value out of the technology and the services we provide not fixing their software or their VPN configuration or something else. Because the truth is, we can do that far more quickly and far more economically using our virtual team rather than our on-site team. So our colleagues are still going to be able to get up from their desk, which is one of the reasons why they go there. They like to go for a break, get up, go and see a colleague, see a friendly face, chat with somebody, get away and stretch their legs. 
but the quality of the conversation, the value of that conversation is going to be about how we make them more productive, how we help them get more value from that tool. So that's a that's kind of a, an inside track on something we're in the process of rolling out as we reopen. That's very cool. And now let's take a quick break to hear about our presenting sponsor, Asana. This podcast is brought to you by Asana. Even if your team isn't in the same place, your work can be. You just need Asana. Asana is where teams securely coordinate work so everyone knows who is doing what, by when, and why. To learn why millions of teams worldwide use Asana, visit asana.com. That's A-S-A-N-A.com. Gina, I have a question for you. You have been involved in, in startup for a while in terms of, you know, with Greylock and, and Sutter Hill. Is this something that you just like to do? Is this something that part of every CIO should be doing it? Why are you involved in startup world? Yeah, you know, I, I, I joined some of their advisory boards years ago, and it was really to keep a pulse on what is the emerging idea and technology. And they, of course, need real operators. Like we're, we're technologists and we're operators. We live in the real world. You know, we also have products we're selling to each other as CIOs as well. But I think it's it was really more what is changing and what is the next disruption whether it was in security or an application or a type of, of service thought process. So that's more of how I would engage and bring ideas back to my team as well and drive a little bit of the innovation cycles and conversations and generate some of those ideas because those startups are looking for the business use cases as well. And so you can bring those back and it's a, it's a great way to keep your team thinking about innovation while they may be doing the grind on strategic transformations and initiatives, as well as all of the enhancements and keep the lights activity that they have to do from day to day, but it gets them thinking different too. So as we're putting our roadmaps together and we're thinking about not just the next year, but the next couple of years of really where we want to go and what do we want to do quantum leaps on versus what do we maybe want to do a little bit more linear movement or maturity. It's great connecting as well. You meet some really smart people yeah. <laughs> that have taken some big risks, right? They've walked away from very secure careers and jobs to go try and make it. And, and the startup world is, is it's not easy. You have to have a lot of uh, fortitude because you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. I love that. And I, you know, part of the reason why I ask is we've had, we've had guests on the show that have went from CIO to, to behind the other side of the desk before. And it just seems like there's so much innovation happening there that you get, you know, the one part networking, the one part learning, you get access to talent that's unique. You know, some of those startups don't end up working out, but the people are looking for their next thing. There's just all sorts of stuff that that goes on in startup. And then, you know, the reverse way is if you're only in startup, then being able to connect with 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 larger company IT professionals is is what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I think the real value too in the reciprocal value in that relationship and evaluating that is. I really want the cutting edge stuff, but I want, I need it to work at scale. 
And that's what a lot of startups don't necessarily know how to do out of the gate. And if I can say, look, if you could scale this on day one, I would be happy to try this in the environment, but at a bare minimum, kind of that, maybe it's, maybe it's coined minimal viable scalability, like at a minimum, I need it to scale to this pretty quickly. Otherwise, it's an experiment and I have to do it more traditionally where I'm siphoning it off and then figure out when I can fit it in for the size of the organization or the customer base or the partner base that I might be supporting or extending to. So to me, it's also a little bit, maybe that is the secret, right? That's the secret of, hey, you know, feeding into them and planting seeds to them. I love the idea, but I can't use it if it doesn't do the, doesn't scale to this level. I love the MVP also needs to yeah. scale. I love it. And I think that as we think and talk a lot about multi-clouds and as we talk about modern application development, that that, abs- that, that is kind of part of it. it, has to be part of its DNA. I'm there with you. Yeah. Yeah. And and they struggle. I mean, even if they have come out of being an operator themselves, when you're in that startup world, you're just trying to find the one beachhead thing you can actually design, develop, deploy, and then start that revenue model. And it's also to just help them think about things differently, more broad-based. Okay. Before we get out of here, this has been awesome. Thank you both so much. So before we get out of here, I I want to open it up for questions. What questions do you have or question do you have for each other? I have one question for Jason. So you define the surviving to thriving. How are you personally thriving? What what are the secret sauce or the elements of change that you've you've employed for yourself personally? Well, that's an excellent question, and uh, I will give you an honest answer. I have not done the best of jobs in that area. I uh, I, I think I've been uh, running on empty or close to empty for a little while, and I'm actually going to take a break here very soon and and take some PTO and go and see some family and friends, which I'm really excited about doing. And I think that's one thing I've been doing as a leader is talking about the importance of mental health and well-being and making sure people are looking after themselves, not just through the pandemic, but just honestly in life, right? If people are considering retiring, when in some cases, maybe what they actually need is a vacation. And, and I think that <clears throat> I think that it's important for all of us to make sure that we're pacing ourselves. So what are some practical things I've been trying to do? Been trying to walk more, get some exercise. One of the rituals that I developed during the uh, during the more uh, more hard or difficult parts of the lockdown when we were staying at home was my husband is very, very fond of our garden and has been doing a fantastic job. I better get that in there. He's been doing a fantastic job in our garden. And one of the things we've been trying to do is around 3.30 in the afternoon is stop the conference calls or, you know, get away from our desks and have a cup of tea, which I know is very British of me, have a cup of tea in the garden. And and I know, it, it, you know, the point really is making it a ritual, making a very conscious effort to say, step away from the computer. You know, I'm not walking to between physical buildings, but I can walk away from my desk and and, and sit somewhere else for a while. So but yeah, I would just amplify, especially given that it's mental health month, so mental health awareness month. So there we go. People need to look after their well-being. Put on your gas mask before helping other people. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. It's great. And it is hard for all of us. So you're not alone in that, <laughs> trying to create that. What have you been doing? 
You know, I think definitely just trying to make sure I build more breaks in my calendar that are not sacrificed for the back-to-back Zoom fatigue that happens when I'm here. I'm at, I actually was going into the office, even though our office wasn't officially open, just to mix it up a little bit. And it is nice to be in a different environment and try and, oh, I got to go down the hall for my coffee instead of maybe just in my kitchen. So it's a little bit more walking. I I have tried really hard. I'm about 50% hit ratio. So I'm not very good on the walking one-on-ones where I'll even on a bad weather day, just walk inside the house and, and try that. And I feel guilty sometimes because I do like seeing people on the Zoom. So when you're doing the walking, it's just audio and it's it's maybe not as personal or bonding. So I, I struggle with, and I go back and forth, do I want to walk or do I want to see the person? So, you know, just trying to fit it in, but it's really hard. It, it's, you have to be very purposeful about it. All right. I'm going to ask you the question I have for you, which is what is the best advice anyone's ever given you and how have you used it? Mm. So I have gotten a wealth of good advice through the years. And one of the one of the things that I, I use quite a bit from that I learned early on is, you know, early in your career, and even sometimes we fall prey to this where we're just, we don't want to bring a problem up. And so we try to solve it all or we try to package it all up so that it looks like we've got our, our stuff together. <laughs> and but it is this mantra of just communicate early and often. And if you keep the line of communicating early and often, everybody that you need to participate in the risk mitigation, it gives everybody room to come up with more creative ideas instead of getting paralyzed and trying to do that. So I, I've carried that forward since that was instilled in me. And I tell my teams all the time, like, don't feel like you have to have this figured out, even if it's halfway there. It's okay. I'd rather you come to me and tell me, hey, this is my challenge or this risk is really playing out and then we'll solve it together and you give me room to help you and you give me room to teach you as well. Because you know, when we're in crunch mode and if you burn that runway, I, I'm A, maybe not going to be able to mitigate the risk with you and B, the learning is going to be a lot rougher, right? because you're not going to get the benefit of the coaching part of it because you're just in firefighting mode of, okay, let's head this one off. So that's, that's one of many that I've gotten. It's a great question though. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you both. I, I really just loved hearing all of the stories and anecdotes and advice and conversations here for, for our listeners, obviously, Go check out zayo.com for more information and go to vmware.com. Jason, Gina, any, any final thoughts here before we get out? No, I just want to really thank you for the time. And Jason, thank you for being my partner on this pod, podcast. I actually will be reaching out to you on a couple of those things. And I'm, I'm going to coin that thriving. I'm going to coin that across our team and say, let's move to thriving. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, not at all. I'm looking forward to our conversation offline. I suspect some people might like to be a fly on the wall for that, but I don't want to do it. And um, thank you both. Thank you for listening to CIO Classified. This episode was brought to you by Asana. 
From everyday tasks to big picture goals, Asana securely organizes work, so teams know what to do, why it matters, and how to get it done. Plus, with more than 100 integrations, Asana brings together everything your team needs to communicate, collaborate, and coordinate work in one place. Visit asana.com to try for free. That's A-S-A-N-A dot com 